and my buddy's going, he's going to smell us. He's going to smell us if he goes around. So, you know, he gets out his old elk piss and he just starts squirting it. Well, I happen to be on the wrong side. <laughs> it was just, and we were laying in this bar ditch next to the road. And the same thing, here comes a guy buying a truck with the headlights. It's just starting to break daylight. He's probably seeing us both lay there in the, the bar ditch. Like, what the heck are these guys doing? But we were laughing so hard because he just squirted this all in my face. And the bull was still screaming. And the guy drives off. And I can't believe it. That bull still was screaming as that guy drove by. Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast with myself, Cody Rich. This feed is home to the best elk hunting podcast that I've done over the last seven years. And if you want to be a better elk hunter, then you're in the right place. If you want the blueprint that I developed after interviewing hundreds of the best elk hunters in the world and 20 plus years of my own hunting experience, check out my new Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a framework to give you a step-by-step system that you can build off of for finding elk, getting close to elk, and killing elk without getting lucky. Check it out. Link in the show notes. All righty. You ready to do some uh, some late night elk talk? Hey, <laughs> let's do some late night elk talk. <laughs> we should make a show called Late Night Elk Talk. <laughs> well, why not? We can do it every we can do it every Wednesday night on Hump Night, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I feel like that's the radio show I would have listened to when I was driving the swather as a kid. Just late night elk talk with Brian and Cody. <laughs> Got something there, man. Dude. <laughs> I mean, Cor- Corey and Randy are doing their thing. What is it? Uh, elk talk podcast every what? Yeah. I don't know. What is- we every got a, month? We got to one up Corey and Randy and call it late night elk talk. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Corey will just die laughing, bro. <laughs> Randy will shake his head. And our and our first sponsor is going to be Dairy Queen. <laughs> oh, yes. We're going to steal it right out from under him. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it'd be really fun just to call Randy up, like have him on the podcast, and then call him up and just keep using that voice. Be like, Randy, you're on Late Night Elk Talk with Cody and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> I don't know if I could keep a straight face long enough <laughs> oh, gonna make my gut hurt <laughs> that's, that's some good content there <laughs> dude it's gold <laughs> uh, so how you been man you haven't been on the podcast in forever no what, what was it what, two years ago it's been that long holy cow has it been two? I don't know, man. It all runs together. When people tell me I've been doing it for like three or going on four years now, I'm like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> it's probably been two years. Uh, I, I would imagine it's probably been two. I think it was. Um, I think it was right before I went to Oregon on my Sled Springs tag. Okay, so it was before your Sled tag. I thought we did it, it after the Sled tag, but. I don't know. That might've just been a regular phone call that we had. Sometimes my worlds get blended together just between like phone calls that I have about hunting and actual podcasts we hit record on. So sometimes people will ask me and I'm like, that was a podcast. I thought that was in my head. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a late night. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> what happens on late night elk talk stays on late time <laughs> keep that in your back pocket <laughs> oh, that's awesome yeah the old man i yeah the the sleds hunt was pretty badass we had a we had a long conversation too before this year before wyoming because we both had wyoming tags we were talking about hunting together kind of ended up falling apart uh, just couldn't line up schedules and stuff. So yeah, man, I, it's funny. Like it's been two years since you've been on the podcast, but I guess introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, welcome to late night. I'll talk with Cody and Brian, Brian, introduce yourself as the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Brian Newman from, uh, Washington speaking to Cody and welcome to late night. I'll talk. <laughs> it's been a while. Thanks for having me on Cody. It's been about what, two years. Yeah. 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 You killed anything since then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put a few on the ground. Uh, great food in the freezer. I love it. Like I said, that's mainly what we eat all year long. We look forward to it every year. So we had this conversation, and I told you we were ruining the podcast, and we were talking before. Uh, but we were talking about like trophy hunting versus meat hunting, and kind of we're, we're all saying, like, where do you stand on that boat as far as being a trophy hunter or an adventure hunter? You hunt all over the country. Yet, I mean, you pretty much, you do live off elk meat. So like, where, where would you consider yourself on the spectrum? I wouldn't consider myself a trophy hunter by any means, especially because I haven't probably killed a bunch of mid 300 bulls per se or any, you know, anything like that. But, uh, um, you know, as the older I get, I'm going out mainly for, um, the adventure. Uh, if I'm out there with guys, I do a lot of solo hunting, but if I'm out there with the guys at camaraderie, um, you know, I am enjoying that time more than anything else, but you know, I'm also out there to harvest an animal cause that is what we usually, uh, live off throughout the year. And, yeah. uh, if it happens to be a, a big bull, you know, great. Um, what I try to do, I guess myself is it doesn't matter where I'm at, if I'm hunting one particular state or a, a unit, um, Unless it's a prize tag, you know, that you've been waiting and holding out for. I, I try to harvest a mature animal, you know, per se, whether it's, you know, elk or deer. Um, and I kind of look at it that way is trying to look at getting that mature animal. And then if I'm like maybe Wyoming, Colorado, Montana or something, I'm away from home for two or three weeks. You know, I'll probably try to end up filling my tag to because usually right now that with my job, I get maybe three weeks now, which before I used to get like a month, month and a half, I'd take <laughs> off. So yeah, I don't get that anymore. So now I'm back to like three weeks at the most. So I try to maintain that uh, sustainability of food. And I, I definitely try to harvest something before I end up leaving. Uh, there's probably a lot of guys that, well, I know there's a lot of guys that don't feel sorry for you when you say you get three weeks elk season. And <laughs> even then. <laughs> yeah. I know, but <laughs> you got to make sacrifices though. I you, mean, you have to make sacrifices and I don't hunt near as much as I, I, I used to by any means. I mean, I, I get bantered by a good buddy all the time, man. You just don't hunt anymore. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. You just don't hunt anymore. And, and I did. I mean, I used to take almost all fall off and, uh, you know, I was pretty blessed with it because uh, just what I do and when I ran my own business, I could, you know, plan for it per se yeah. or put the people in position to take care of stuff while i was gone yeah you could just neglect it better that's what that's what i'm good at you neglected better 
<laughs> that's a good perspective. I guess you would say. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of curious. You know, one of the things like that terrifies me is seeing hardcore guys that when they get older, just kind of give up, not give up, but like, I guess the, it doesn't spark their interest as much. And I think that's one of my big fears. It's like, man, I don't want to go to the point where like you're taking four months off and, you know, hunting like crazy and then end up getting burnt out when you're in your fifties. Do you, you think that's a real possibility? Have you seen guys do that? Do you feel that way yourself? I don't know. I'm going to be 50 this year. So should I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't. Um, I mean, you, you take everything as it comes, you know, uh, I, I just enjoy being out there. I don't, I don't try to burn myself out. You know, I like that minimum two week, three weeks is better. Of course, you know, if you want to take a day off and you want to go down and go fly fishing in the local river or whatever it is for the day, or just sit around camp, I mean, that, uh, that to me, you know, those days too should be cherished uh, and not just out there pounding every day. But I do hit it pretty hard. Um, you know, like I said, I have been all these years, even it's been what, 2011, I think I had my back surgery. So I'm fused L4, L5. I got uh, four screws, two rods, you know, bionic back there. But, and I'm still, you know, humping elk meat out of the backcountry this last year in Wyoming. I'm, Four miles in and, you know, taking out huge packs with uh, just got to be careful, you know, you know, pick and choose your routes and, um, you know, just make sure that you're paying attention to where you're, where you're heading and, 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 you know, take your breaks that you need to on your way out. But you can still do it. I'm doing it. So I'm, any, anybody out there can. I'm kind of curious. Is that has it, I mean, I know it has, but has you talk about uh, maybe how your elk style or elk hunting style has changed over the years and like you know, like being in that, taking that into consideration. Oh, I mean, yeah, from our younger years, yeah, we weren't quite as knowledgeable, I guess you could say, but, uh, <laughs> uh, as I get older, I still probably hunt pretty much the same now, almost being 50 as I did actually when I was probably 30. Oh, really? Uh, Just like, yeah. I still, I'm, I'm pretty aggressive at when I need to be, um, you know, and I, I still, I still, I love, I love the calling aspect of it. Uh, but I like the spot and stock, you know, that challenge, um, you know, or ambush, you know, just figure it out. Just, you know, trying to beat them at their own chess game. Uh, on that topic, I guess I kind of, I just had this question the other day, but someone was saying, you know, calling versus spot and stock. If you're a new hunter, what's the best approach? You know, I guess, what's your opinion? You've, you've kind of one of those guys that can do all of the above or have done all of the above. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys are basically they call and that's their routine and they're good at it. And there's guys that spot and stock and they're good at, good at it. If someone was like, Hey, Brian, you know, what, what should I get into? You know, what do you think is the best success or most successful for a new hunter? What would you say? Oh, I wouldn't say put down the calls. I mean, especially, you know, the time of year that we love to hunt during archery season, you know, when the elk are really vocal. I, I mean, learn how to call, um, but I wouldn't just leave it at that. Learn learn the habits in the terrain of the area that uh, the elk that you're going to be hunting are in. And, you know, learn that well. You may, you may be taking maybe a week maybe of your actual hunting season 
when you first go to maybe a new area and you're actually that's more of a scouting or learn learn what the habits are of the elk and where they're where they kind of run to if they got pressure because we all know now you know most of us are just like me public land hunters and you know you get a lot of pressure so learn those those trails that they take off in those deep holes or or where those avenues um but don't don't put down the calls learn how to call but um you know put all those uh little items in your toolbox calling Mm -hmm. learning the terrain um learning the elk habits you know make sure you know where they're feeding you know certain times of the day certain times of the year you know where they're bedding you know put all those in your toolbox just don't utilize one i mean you could be the greatest caller in the in the earth and and there's no elk there it's not going to do you a darn bit of good <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's just i i just look at it this way i i don't discount anything and i'm out there even as long as i've been hunting elk you know with 37 38 years i don't know um i still try to learn something every time i'm out there and and trust me every year there's sooner or later there's one that's going to teach me something you know <laughs> because <laughs> it happens every year one's going to teach you something you know and and i look at it that that's another learning experience you know when when i quit learning and i you know i guess if i i i, I get to that point that i'm not learning something or i'm not enjoying it then you know then maybe i'll hang it up but i just don't ever see that i have buddies that tell me oh yeah i got another 10 years and i probably won't like to do it anymore and i said well that's great i mean but me i'll probably do it until you know i cannot climb you know those yeah. mountains or well maybe that's the the secret to my biggest fear is that you know my biggest fear being that i'm gonna end up not liking hunting but you know if it, it's a matter of once you know everything is when you don't like it i'm i'm golden because i'll like i forget things after about two years so i just make the same mistakes repeatedly so i mean in theory i i could keep going forever <laughs> <clears throat> we all even even people that, you know, guys, gals, anybody that's been hunting many years, we all still make the same mistakes. I mean, I catch myself every year, you know, oh, man, I sh- probably should have never done that. Or maybe yeah. I should have not made that call, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you you constantly, you know, you keep reminding yourself. But uh, honestly, if you keep doing it over and over and over again and you keep hard pressing forward every year to your greatest ability um and keep trying to hunt that same style you know kind of like i have i just keep keep trying to hunt the same way over and over i mean it comes second nature to me most of the time but yeah i make my mistakes too trust me i make plenty i'm curious have you killed more bulls if you had i had to choose i guess would you choose early morning evening or midday man it's been all over the board for me <laughs> I've, I don't know. I sometimes early morning call. I mean, you get them going pretty good, you know, and, and then them all day sessions. You yeah. know, maybe some sometimes they're eleven o'clock, and sometimes they're all day till three. You know, that's you know that's great days. You know, you cherish those days. Um, but then I've also been out in the morning and having anything call at all, and then midday they just start piping up. So I'm one of those guys I. I like to try to stay out all day. I mean, I I think every minute you're out there, you, you have a chance. Yeah. But if you're not if you're not out there, you're not you're not giving you that uh, that opportunity to yourself. 
You know, there's a lot of guys like the hardcore calling guys that are all about midday, but, and to me, it just seems crazy to sleep in in the morning. Cause there are guys that'll sleep in and they do very, very well at this. So sleep in the morning, go find a midday. But man, for me, it's like, I, I just want that extra knowledge of that early morning. If I know there's a bull screaming and he's headed that way, even if he shuts up, at least I know I heard him in the morning. You know, I, I feel like I have a great odds of locating an elk in the morning, even if he's going to go and bed somewhere else and he's going to shut up for a while. At least I know he's in the area, you know, and like gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, but I don't know. I've, this year I killed my bull in the evening. So I think that's actually, no, I guess second bull I killed. I probably killed, man, I think I probably killed more evening or midday than I have in the morning. But I, I would say now looking back on it, I would say more midday and in the evening for me as well. Um, not saying I haven't, you know, this, uh, well, last year in Wyoming, that was morning though. Yeah. So uh, there you go. And, and, and like you just said in the evening or morning, you said you, that you located that bull. At least you know that bulls are there. Mm-hmm. Maybe gives you that opportunity. Um, I would say in the evening as well, if you know you located that bull, you may be able to, you know, sleep on them. Mm-hmm. Or if you're headed back out, be back in there in the morning to be on them. You know that bull's there. Um, you know, I, I look at it that way. It's kind of like turkey hunting too, you know. You find out, you know, that they're there, they're roosting. You kind of know where they're at. You know, you're back there the next morning, right? Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing with, you know, the elk if you get them going in the evening. Um, doesn't mean that they won't be three ridges over because elk make up their own mind, right? So they yeah. do what they want. Uh, but at least you know there's been elk in the area. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that I would choose one time a day over the other. Like I said, opportunity, if you're not out there, you're not going to get yourself those opportunities. And I've had just screaming matches during the middle of the day that, oh, yeah. uh, you would think that, man, I never thought that would happen. Yeah. But, uh, and I've had that opening week of season, like first of September, Bull screaming in the middle of the day. So it can happen. Somewhere on the mountain, there's a bull screaming opening day somewhere. Yep. You just got to find him. Yeah. It could be could be two ridges over. It could be 10. It, you may have to hop in your truck and drive 50 miles. Yeah. To, you know, to the south or the north or east or west or wherever you're hunting from. And that's and why I, I like to be mobile. Like, man, when, if I'm calling, if I spend a lot of time calling, if I'm just trying to kill any bull and I'm just basically trying to call in a bull, a mature bull, I love, I'd rather be mobile. Well, that's where I was when I, I don't hunt my home state anymore, Washington. Uh, we could go on for hours over that, but I won't. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing is, is, I used to do that. I killed a lot of bulls in Washington, and, and I I was very mobile. I called it gypsying out, and I would travel <laughs> from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, and you know I would find them bulls that wanted to be vocal, whether it was bugling late at night or. You know, just traveling from area to area to area, to, you know, just trying to find that that little pocket, that little sweet pocket that they were talking. You know, and it was very successful for me. Yeah, there's some rough nights sleeping in the back of that truck. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. You know, I enjoyed it. You know, I probably had a blast. At that. That's probably, you know, one thing you say, you know, what have you done different as you got older? Yeah, I don't. I don't spend all night going out cruising out and, you know, looking for <laughs> bolts. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I kind of like kind of like my sleep, whether it's on the mountain, you know, or yeah. whether 
take it back to a base camp. Man, I got, and I think it's it's easier when you're solo. But I got a lot of nights doing a lot of miles that way, and I, you know it's tough because in grizzly country, I guess it, I just I don't know. I haven't done that in a few years for sure. Um, in Idaho, I used to do a lot. I mean, growing up, I think it's like a, a Northwest guy's thing to hunt all night, but man, I used to be up all freaking night. I'd go, I'm, I basically say, I'm not going to sleep. Actually, I take that back Two what, two or three years ago when I was, uh, in Oregon, it was like, I'm going out until I find a bull and sure enough, you know, you'll find one. And I, I was telling, uh, one of my buddies, actually the kid that works for me, Jaden, I was telling him like, you need, just need to find a place where you can drive enough roads and cover enough ground and cover ground and don't go to sleep until you find a bull work all night, work all day, just keep going. And you know, if you get one to pipe off in the middle of the night, work in there in the daytime and see if he'll pipe up and just cover, cover, cover ground. I would agree. Like, man, I, I maybe I'm getting lazy in my old age, but yeah, when I was young twenties, I, yeah, just kept going, go, go. Yeah. And it's funny that you said that I did that a couple of years ago when I was on that Eastern Oregon, uh, uh, tag that i drew yeah i i did a little bit of that all night stuff it reminded <laughs> me that i'm not that young anymore <laughs> but i did it i did it but i still you know i still push forward and i hunted all day after being up all night yeah but you know it was one of those things again you know kind of the job that i'm doing and the position that i have been in the last i said four four and a half years it's it's made my days in the field you know more precious i guess you could say <laughs> it's like i always it's always tell everybody i only have so many sunrises and sunsets and man i need to make the most of them while i'm out there so yeah no that's true that's you know one of the reasons like going back to i spent a lot of time in my younger days younger days just like working ground searching for bulls and then it was like on to the next day you just go 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 and you know never really taking breaks and stuff like that now i i could see how like i'm still not there i'm still hard charging because i want to kill some you know at least get a nice mid 300s bull uh but i could i could see the you know being being one of those guys that likes to hey let's go fly fishing today or take it easy these days um i don't know like it just also depends on how many days you get to hunt if you only get a week of course i'm gonna hard charge it but if i get 20 20 days or so then i'm definitely gonna yeah maybe take it easy but i don't know two to their own right yeah if if i only have a week I'm going to be out there hard every day. <laughs> um, if if I have the three weeks, I may take a couple of days off. Yeah. And it, I may just go, uh, just go searching, not saying that I'm not hunting. I might be going searching for a new area. Yeah. Um, and traveling and doing that. that. That might be my day off. It's not that I'm not hunting. I just may be going and looking at some new country. You know, yeah. you never know what you find. Oh man. Nah, no kidding. I, I found out like elk like that. Just, going driving in glass and driving in glass and turn up new new herd elk I didn't even know about. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you while you're on, um, you're a big Wyoming guy. You've hunted Wyoming for years and years and years and years. Um, I just made you sound really old. You like how I did that? <laughs> uh, I, I kind of feel that way some days. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm kind of curious, what's your thought on Wyoming? Uh, you've hunted a ton of different units. I know that. And you've been there quite a while and kind of seen the evolution of Wyoming. What's your thought today? Is it what it used to be? Has it changed a lot? Is it still worth, uh, what, three points, maybe even four this year? Who knows uh, that it takes to draw it? You know, I'm kind of curious. What's your thought uh, as Wyoming as a state? 
well, if am I going to just Wyoming as a state, or is I'm, am I going to compare it to like Washington? <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, Wyoming, I've seen seen some changes in the last ten years. Of course, a lot more people. Um, you, you know, some of the places I do hunt, I, I may not see anybody out all day when I'm hunting, but uh, definitely if I have a base camp and I go back and I'm headed back, yeah, there's a lot more presence of people. Um, I have seen that. Some of the areas I hunt, um, I've seen a little bit of decline in the elk herd. Um, has it been real dramatic? Mm, no, but I've noticed it. You know, some of some of the drainages where you have multiple bulls in, maybe only one now compared to five or six or maybe more. Um, but as far as the hunting aspect in the country, I just love the country. Yeah, uh, it's just still it's so much so much better than you know where I used to hunt around home here locally in my own home state. Um, I just like the country better. Um, I just like that time of year over there. Just the the leaves are already changing and just the whole feel of it. So one of the questions I had on um, kind of my Q&A session the other day, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are because I know you've hunted it. But the question was, would you take a one of the, you know, a top Oregon unit, one of the top three units, or would you take a Wyoming general tag? Well... <laughs> I probably have to take the general Wyoming take because I know I'm never going to draw one of the top three <laughs> in Oregon. <laughs> it's just not going to happen anymore. I yeah. just, it's not in my cards. I know, like right now, I'd be what, probably 125 years old before I probably see <laughs> that tag in Oregon. Um, I mean, I look at uh, some of the success in Oregon, and I think there's still. They're still doing okay, but um, I've heard a lot of guys that have drawn some of the tags the last few years and some of those top three, and they said they've seen a pretty big decline. I don't know if you've heard the same. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of false suit for that tag I drew in Washington. Um, oh, that's a couple of years ago, too. And that elk herd in that area, that density of the elk herd is really going downhill. So do you think uh, those units in Oregon and Washington are just riding on brand? And what I mean by that is like you have this historic unit, right? They're like, Oh, this is the top unit. This is so great, blah, blah, blah. And it starts decline, but the brand still stays. Like people still look at that as this great unit, even though it's kind of dropped off and the points still show that it's, or, you know, in, in theory show that it's a great unit because it's still taking a pile of points. Do you think that happens in those units? Well, I think to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, the popularity is there, and it's you know it's been um, even the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife they even promote it. That, you know, basically those are the three top yeah. units, and I don't think that's going to go away. I think that's always going to be there. Um, I opted out, like I said a few years ago, and just burnt my points because mm -hmm. I I was just looking at the point creep, and then if I wanted to go for that top tier unit and I, like I said, I would almost be 100. If I if I played the odds right, I'd be 125 years old before <laughs> I drew that. Now, I don't think I'd be hunting it when I was 125 years old, even if I lived that long. So, <laughs> I, so it's just not in my cards. And I just chose to 
take another unit that I would say was probably um, a couple years ago, maybe just as good, or probably I had probably just as good an experience as any of those other guys. Yeah. Um, in any of those other top three, so um, I hear that <clears throat> that's all over the eastern state is is slowly declining here, especially the last two years. Uh, they've seen a pretty good decrease in the elk numbers. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is like I'll get pictures every year of just absolute giants that came out of one or two point units. And, you know, you could have an epic hunt in a two point unit. Now, granted, is that repeatable? Is that pure shithouse luck? I don't know. Uh, you know, there's big bulls in a lot of units in Oregon. That's for sure. That, that could happen in any state, though. This it's, true. Whole deal. it's true. I mean, somewhere always there's probably going to be you know somewhat of a nice a nice decent upper class bull uh you know but there is areas let's say for colorado that just the genetics or the age group isn't there i mean you got to have those two yeah if you don't have those you're probably not going to get that 350 bull um well and that's a lot of the struggles you get is like with say wyoming general it's hard to know how many tags are in a certain area uh, or how many people are hunting that the yeah, same with Col- well, Colorado is a little easier to tell cause it's per unit. Um, but you're talking in Oregon, some of those, you know, higher end units are very, very limited. Now, granted, there's still 30,000 spike tags in there. So there's that. Uh, but I, you know, I think, t- you know, yes. tag numbers is, is key and being somewhere where there's not as many people is going to produce bigger bowls and it's going to produce a better experience. Yeah, um, in Wyoming too. I think Wyoming, for the most part, has done the, their game commission and their fish and wildlife biologists and so forth. I think they've done a fairly good job of how they've uh, proceeded with their quotas year in and year out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they admit they even admit to it that you know they, they there's some changes they need to do, um, especially with the influx into that state now um i mean it's becoming very popular yeah uh, very very popular uh would i say it's any better than montana maybe not i mean yeah, a lot of people there too yeah there is there's a lot of people there uh i think in any of those states colorado idaho montana wyoming um you know utah if you if you can get a, a tag there uh, Nevada, Nevada's got some, you know, great elk hunting too. I think any of those states, you know, you put in your time, you do your research. I think you can have a great hunt, even if it isn't one of those top tier in any one of those states. I think you, there's always potential. Like yeah. I said, as long as long as, uh, as long as that age class is there and the genetics behind it, you, you know, you never know what you may come up with. I mean, always in Idaho, I see them pull out out of just general units there, I consider, um, wow, that's a great bull. Yeah. Uh, you know, where'd that come from? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I see that in Oregon too, like general over the counter, uh, general archery units that are like totes like, man, where did that thing come from? And every year that happens. Uh, I got a two part question for you. Do you think like within say Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, do you think it's still possible to get away from people and how much part two of that would be like, how much do you worry about that? Um, Oh, I think it's, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I get away from people almost 
every year I go out east from Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to get upset you run into people. No, it's public land. I mean, that's and I'd rather see people still out there hunting and keeping our tradition going. And uh, I, I would say that. It doesn't really. I'm not going to go and, and, and park at a trailhead. That's one thing I've I've kind of learned. I'm not going to go park at a trailhead that there's there's 20 vehicles there unless that is the only avenue into a broad vast of country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I see certain places in Montana or Idaho or, or Wyoming, even that there's you know two or three trucks at the gate or at a trailhead per se or whatever it is, you know that's probably not where I'm going to be going. I'm going to probably go to plan B or C or D or whatever, you know, if I'm going in for the day or if I'm going in for a three, three day hunt, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, you could get away from people, but not always all the elk are not all back in there five or six miles either, you know? So some yeah. people, I, I mean, I've had very good success just right off, off some of the roads within a quarter mile. Some people miss those little, those little pockets. Yeah, for sure. So as, I mean, a guy that kind of spends quite a bit of time solo hunting, how much, how much do you worry about grizzly bears and how much do you think that kind of keeps people out? Um, I think it deters a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) So solo and, uh, can be a little sketchy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And even, even with the wolf, uh, wolf numbers coming up too. I mean, you know, I've heard crazy stories about encounters that people have had with even the wolf packs but um uh, grizzly country is a tall new creature um your head's definitely got to be on a swivel you know that's something we always say here at work you know in construction you always keep your head on a swivel for everything that's going on around you same thing in grizzly country you you definitely don't let your guard down um and but you plan for it you know you don't you don't keep your food next to you, uh, you know, put it way high in a tree, 100 yards from you. I mean, even toothpaste, it doesn't matter. Anything anything that will attract them, you know. And uh, make sure you put yourself in, in good positions and not um, not a position that you're going to regret, I guess you could say. If you're, um, if you're ever in grizzly country, would that or does that, like, deter you from calling or change your calling strategy? No. No? I wouldn't. I mean, not unless not unless I see a sow over there with two cubs, and you can tell that she's really <laughs> looking for food. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to sit there and blatantly cow call out and, and and maybe do, you know, a lost calf by any means. Uh, <laughs> you know, that might change my perspective for that moment what I'm calling. But if I'm just out hunting, and I'm I'm just going to call. I'm not going to change up. Um, I'm out there to hunt, and you know, I'm out there to to try to be successful and try to harvest something so they are too though so that's what i said <laughs> keep your head your head on a swivel and um, just be prepared yeah it's, it it limits the number of bugles i let out in the dark but i and i don't really cow call much anyway but yeah i don't i try to avoid that as much as possible unless i'm like in elk and there's the situation calls for it i'm not just gonna go set up and start blind calling for cows which i've done before but not a good idea. <laughs> Probably that's like the only thing it would change for me. And I still bugle, you know, like if I'm hiking back to the camp or whatever, I'll be rip off a couple of bugles and then like look around for eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. I don't necessarily say I, I'm really calling that much after, you know, dark. 
Um, yeah, I don't. I don't want to be stupid and you know and try to make them, you know, know exactly where I'm at and ambush <laughs> me on the trail for sure. But um, definitely during the day, I don't. I probably don't hesitate to call. I mean, I'm still out there, just like if I was not in grizzly country. Yeah. So tell me that how to, I haven't even talked to you since season this year, I guess. Yeah. I haven't talked to you since season last year. I talked to you after that, but, uh, so how, how'd it go this year? How'd your hunt go? It was fast, fast and furious. Um, like I said, I didn't have as much time this year. I had two weeks that I did take off. Um, and I killed within my first week, um, killed another six point bull and it was about four miles in. Um, yeah. And it was, it was a couple, couple late evenings getting out of there, you know, whatever <laughs> I killed that, killed that morning and, and got what I could out that day. Um, hung the rest, you know, on a North, North facing slope, we got some good air underneath it, you know, I got it all nice and hung up and then, uh, went back in the next day, got the rest out, but, uh, it, it, it was a good hunt. Um, I actually, um, I actually had a lot of bulls uh, this year. It got quiet for maybe a couple of days for me. You know, they weren't real, real vocal. Um, but I expect that early, early in the season. Um, it's kind of like the norm usually happens. But uh, what's your think, early season look like? What's an average day, just kind of early season like that? And you know, like what's you walk through kind of what your game plan is? You just calling and moving down ridges, or what? How, you know, what's your go to? Oh yeah, I'll definitely definitely try to hit several ridges, call call down through different drainages, um, unless unless I know the elk are there and the way they're feeding up, and you know, and I've had time to go over and and do some scouting, which is not usually the case if I'm headed out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll I'll definitely try to hit some of the ridges, hit 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 uh, some of those deep holes, and call down in there and see if I can't locate. Um, it's like last year I was over actually two ridges and you were talking about that night before thing. Um, I was in there two ridges over out on this point, uh, probably three and a half miles in. And I started calling late in the evening, just doing some, like you said, blind calling. And I had two bulls down below me sound off. And then that, way up in a pocket, kind of like two ridges you could see, they just started screaming all up and down that ridge. So I already knew in the morning where I was going. Uh, I kind of went back in the same way I did that evening, but I just crossed through all these big canyons to get over there. That way it cut off probably two and a half, three miles, you know? Yeah. That's, that's where that knowledge of knowing the terrain really helps you out. Um, and it's an area I'd hunted before. So it did, it got me right in there. Just a horrible hill to go up. Um, there's only certain areas on that ridge that you can really get through. I mean, you got blowdowns, brush that's super thick and high and just straight up and down. I mean, there's at times that you're actually, I mean, you could just reach out right in front of you, right in front of your face, and you're and you're hitting the hill. So <laughs> it's it's one of those till you get up there always on these ridges. But so was your plan to be there at daylight? Like you hear these bulls, you know, say at dark, and you're like, man, there's elk there. 
that's where I'm going to be first daylight. Uh, is that kind of your plan? Or are you going to stay back and, and listen to kind of figure out what they're doing, where they're going? No, I already knew I was going to that ridge. It was <laughs> way, way dark. I was already sitting on that ridge, quiet going in. Didn't even call. I kind of listened all the way in to see if anything out front as I was going in was talking already. Mm-hmm. And nothing had been talking. And I didn't see that much sign out on that front side. So to me, it already was telling me that those elk were not using that platform, that area yet, like they had in the past. And they were still, I guess they were back up in farther, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I kind of, they had moved into this other area. So I felt pretty safe about not bumping anything going in. Um, and me not calling going in wasn't kind of giving me away either. Um, so I kind of sat on that ridge until daybreak, right before daybreak, and you know I did a locating bugle and it all lit up. So it how was, far away was, were you when you located? Oh geez, probably straight across. You know how early in the morning you can hear forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I a good quarter to a half a mile. Oh wow! So you're still quite a ways away. I was still quite a ways away, but uh, it doesn't take me that long to cover that country. You know, when you're headed down the head up the other side is what takes the longest, but then as soon as you get up on the ridge, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was great. Three bulls coming in at once. It was <laughs> so, awesome. So as you get by, I mean, you like, okay, locate, there's bulls, uh, multiple bulls piping off. Uh, obviously, you're going to shut up, get as close as you can, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're talking on their own, you know, why give up your position, right? Yep, exactly. So you move in. How close did you get or you just sneak in? Uh, I snuck in, and I actually had these other two bulls that I seen the day prior in that evening over there on that other hillside. Oh, man, it was – I would say he was a mid-300 bull, you know. Um, The other one I would say was around 3, 310, you know. Both for public land, general tag. Yeah, you're gonna you're definitely gonna shoot that 310. <laughs> um, and not if I then, saw the 350 first, then the 310 can just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that don't happen, right? But anyway, <laughs> then, then I had another bull way up on the ridge above me that was still piping off. And as I worked up the ridge and I got close to those other ones, I I started calling, and we got a pretty aggressive back and forth, and. Uh, it, it was pretty wild that bull up on the ridge. He came in like on a string. I mean, I had to pretty much stop where I was at, continuously checking my wind because I didn't want to blow these other two bulls out that were coming up at an angle, kind of across the hill at me. And wind was still doing doing the downhill, but the sun was coming, so I was worried about thermals changing. And that bull just came screaming down the ridge at me, and. I mean, it was a matter of just, it seemed like seconds, but it was probably a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And that bull was right on top of me. And I looked at him, I go, and he came right down to the timber. And I I saw him coming. I'm going, ah, he's kind of narrow. And I go, but he's, he is a six. And I'm just looking. I'm going, yeah, what's those other two? I think that one's that big 350 bull. Sounds just like his bugle. And, you know, all those thoughts are going through your head, right? <laughs> and so it's like you hold out or whatever. And that bull just kept coming in, screaming straight down the ridge at me. And it was like too good of a scenario. And I was like, yeah, I wish I had this on film. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there thinking this whole time. And I'm going, if I let that bull pass, I'm not going to get a chance at any of them. 
because he's probably going to swing by me. You know how they are. He's going to try to get your win. Yep. I let that bull pass. He's probably going to go down and kick those other two bulls out. And I'm just thinking, I'm going, man, this is just too great of a scenario. And he came down and probably 25, 20, between 25 and 30 yards, he, he came straight in on me. He started to turn, and I gave him a quick cow call to stop him while I was quartered away. And then he turned right back and faced right towards me. <laughs> I go, fine. You know, I've done those frontal shots. Not everybody always, you know cares for those but i've done three or four and been very successful i hit him center punched him and he turned around walked off and fell over within 40 yards it was like pouring it out of a bucket i mean (laughs) uh, i was like i I get i probably made the right choice and then guess what the other two bulls come up right by me yeah but that always happens and it was it was the one big bull the other one was probably i would say just a little over 300 you know, which was it, it was exciting just to experience that afterwards, though, and have those bulls come out. I enjoyed that. It was great. So could you have shot the big one? Oh, yeah, I could have shot all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> the big one was probably, I think I ranged him. I pulled up my range finder, and I think he was like 22 and a half, I think it said on my uh... range. <laughs> and that other, the other, I'm going to call him a smaller bull, but, he, you know, a good 300 bull in that country is something you're not going to pass. And he, he, he was probably only 30 yards. He kind of, kind of, they were kind of parallel on each other, you know, they were battling each other all the way across the hillside. But (laughs) yeah, but like you said, I mean, if you let that bull go by, he's probably, probably going to stand there to look at you, look, 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 and then spook and then start barking, you know, and then those other two would have never came anywhere near there would have bypassed the whole situation. So hindsight's 2020 but it, you know it never pans out that way no and you know i've been in those situations and you talk about um from youth to i guess greater in years of hunting <laughs> the, i've been in that same situation that i just explained to you before and i've had that happen that that other bull i let go went by and spooked everything mm-hmm. so, you know that was one of those things that was in my toolbox that I kept reminding myself, you know, and I would totally, trust me, I was totally happy with the bull I got. I mean, he was just, just the whole experience. Um, you know, I, I would have never changed it even to today, even though that bigger bull came back up by me and, and you know, uh, I, I, I still probably would have done the same thing next year. If it happens to me, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to pass on those situations where a bull just comes screaming in and just screaming right in your face. They come from a long way, even better, you know, just all the way in. Stop right there. Sometimes it's just like you know, it's that moment. It's the one. Oh, he he probably came down off that ridge eight hundred yards. Wow. I mean, it was crazy. He just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. I said, man, that bull's coming in, and he was just on fire. And I said, well, I'm gonna let him come. I didn't know what he was until he got right on top of me. But yeah, just that whole experience. Did those are any of them have cows? I no. Uh, I think the big bull, he had cows back yeah. uh, up off the ridge, but he, he was coming up. And that's one thing I did. I, I Not only I was, you know, scream bugling at him, you know, I was I was challenging them, you know, chuckling. I was also, you know, cow in heat. I was doing a lost cow mm. right there. You know, I was I was the whole flipping herd on that ridge, 
And I think that's what got him all just so interested in that he was coming over. He, I think he knew he was the king and he was going to gather all the rest of the cows because no other, you know, he, he hadn't been challenged yet. Yeah. And, but that other bull was feeling pretty frisky and, and he came, like I said, seven, eight hundred yards down off that ridge. It was a long ways, long, long ways. What, but, uh, what date was that? What day of the month? Oh, man. Let's see. I'd have to look back on that. Probably, I might have it in my text messages. I think he texted me a picture. I don't remember if you, that was a few I probably days. did. I probably did text you a picture. Come to think I, of it. I remember text. Oh, yeah, right here. September 15th is when you text me. I don't know if that's when you got it or not. Um, September 9th. September 9th. Yeah, which was early. I And I actually had another week. So I could have probably let that bull screw them other ones up, and I probably could have went after it, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, That's my strategy. <laughs> Just yeah. bring it down to the so, wire. <laughs> yeah, so... um yeah, Man, the year I'm looking at the, the hold on. I'm looking at these pictures, and you freaking put a like. It looks like you shot it with a 50 cal. There is a hole in that bull's chest. Yeah, did I did I send you pictures of the blood trail? <laughs> well, there's like a spray path if that's the blood trail. Yeah, it was. It was like literally <laughs> someone had a five gallon bucket. Yeah. They had a Home Depot bucket, and they walked up the hill 40 yards, pouring it out. <laughs> yeah, that's a hole. What broadhead was that? Um, actually, I, I actually use the little slick trick, uh, standard 100 on mm. that. I've, you know, it's funny. I've used G five strikers for years and I've had really good luck with them and, uh, never had any problems at all. I, I love, I love that head too. But, um, last year, uh, two years now I've been using the slick trick and they fly great. My bull I killed the year before in Wyoming, uh, in 2017, that six point, that was on the 22nd. So like I said, it, it varies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I went a little later that year though, too. So the ninth is, you know, that I guess eight, nine, that's a good time frame for that to happen where you got a lot of bulls kind of competing. Uh, and you know, you kind of heard up on the Hill the day before multiple bulls going off. Obviously, you know, they're kind of competing or in that, you know, time frame where they're probably trying to figure out who is who. And so going up in there and, and just making it sound like there's a hot cow and bull screaming and, you know, the chaos is happening down here. It's a good strategy. Yeah, the party was happening. Mm-hmm. And um, I was glad they came. That's for sure. <laughs> Man, that's a good bull, though. Like, it's, that's no slouch. I, yeah, I'd shoot that bull, too. I mean, come screaming down at you. That's a good bull. Yeah, the, those fronts kind of give it away. They're like 14 and a half inches long. Yeah. And yeah. that. That kind of seals it right there. Like, <laughs> wow. I mean, he is a good bull. I could probably let that one go by because I know that's probably that other bigger bull. But, you know, like I said, I would do the same thing next year. Um, now, if I was in Arizona, it might be a different story. Yeah. Definitely all those bulls you're going to be passing up. You probably depends on what unit you're in. Probably even the 350 you might even pass up. Now, Unless you've never, if you had, never shot. <laughs> it's true. Now, if you had had shot a bull somewhere else say you hunted first week of season plug a bull in idaho and then you go to wyoming would you have shot that bull um yeah i probably would have <laughs> it, like like i said that experience again you know that's a lot mm-hmm. where it's at too. it doesn't have to be you know these guys always everybody goes that's the biggest bull in the woods it's not you know you know be happy for what you shot 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I see that all the time. Oh, it's not the biggest one, but you know, who cares if you're happy with it and you, and the whole experience that you had, you know, that's where it's at. Um, Oh, I yeah. 100% yeah. agree. I, I will play like the bull I shot this year. Like I'm, I'm completely pumped about the situation and it's not a giant bull by any stretch of imagination, but like the scenario was awesome. I loved it. Shot it in a burn, which I've never done before, which was cool. Like, so there's so many aspects to it. I think my problem is not that I'm, I love finding big bulls. I just like finding the next bull. I think I'm yep. obsessed with like calling in and like if there's a bull screaming over there and I call in a bull, I'm like, oh, I want to go see what the next one is. Like that's- Yeah, you want to see what it looks like. You want to know that bull. Yeah. You know, is, is that a bull that you maybe want to try to hunt next year or yeah. maybe finish hunting out your rest of you this year, you know, that you're hunting? Um, you know, those things come come into play too. I'm totally guilty for like, if a bull bugles, he's like across the Canyon and I think he's going to like walk through an opening. I'm like dropping everything to get eyes on him. I just want to see it, you know? And I don't know why it doesn't really matter. It's like, not like I could even shoot it, but I just want to see that one. Like there's so many bulls in my, like growing up in Oregon, you, you never even see the bull. So for me, it's like, oh man, what I'd kill just to see how big that bull was. Like, you know, if they're, they're screaming their head off growling, big old growly bull. You're like, man, I just want to see it. That's the same thing in Washington. You hunt in Roosevelt country. Yeah. You know, they'd be five yards from you. And, <laughs> I mean, the, the leaves would be blowing in front of you as they're bugling and, and from from them, and you still wouldn't know what that bull was. Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. It's, it's some places in Washington, it's so thick like that. It's like, wow, how did I ever kill a bull in this area? You know, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, do you ever miss hunting Roosevelt's? Oh, I do. They're fun. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, I just hope we have a herd left here. <laughs> True. I mean, I mean, between hoof rot, wolves, and the high predation of cougars and bears and and the coyotes. I mean, everything right now, it's just it's hammering them hard. Um, How bad is the hoof rot? Hoof rot? Hoof rot? I can't speak tonight. It's, hoof it's rot really, situation. It's really bad. I, I actually live on the east side of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Washington, just at the the foot of them at the Cascades, um, and the hoof rot has made it over the top, unfortunately, and into my area. Mm-hmm. It's actually really bad. The Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife they were going to actually shoot about thirty to forty. Um, they come down in this valley, and I think they only ended up shooting like three and they said they could possibly take the whole herd out, which at that time down there in the Valley, there was like 300 plus head. Wow. And so they, they even said that they could go as far as doing that because it's gotten so bad. Uh, but I, I went up this year with, uh, the cousins for a couple days to their rifle elk camp just to, for the camaraderie and just go yeah. enjoy it, you know, and just have some fun with them. It was pretty sad. I'd go to places that, man, I, I'd see elk all the time and get a little bit of snow. You'd see tracks everywhere. Um, it's just non-existent. I mean, non-existent. I mean, and I, I hunted pretty hard with those guys and pushed them pretty hard. And just two years prior, um, I mean, you can look back on, photos i might have even sent you these i i put those guys into bulls within four days you know a couple guys had bulls down which is 
pretty tough in that country. Mm-hmm. And now, two two years later, there's hardly anything. Ah, it's, that's terrible. Yeah, it's going fast. Um, I, I would say, honestly, between the hoof rot and the high predation, you'd be lucky to see an elk in that country within five to six years. That's nuts. Is there wolves up in that area? Yeah. Um, actually, I was on my way to work last week, and a report on a local station here in central Washington actually said that, um, and I know they're really conservative on their numbers, the Washington Game Commission. They released that we have 24 packs now, confirmed, which I know we got more than that. 24 and packs. That's insane. 24 packs. They they acknowledged that, and they also said that they were growing 30% plus the last two years. <sighs> That's crazy. That was that was on a local radio station. I couldn't believe that they said that over the radio. And then I was doing a little research, and I popped it up, and they were showing that they had – I've never heard of this. Maybe you have. About these dogs, fecal matter dogs that they train to – smell out this fecal matter and they were testing it to see if it was wolf or you know it was bear or whatever it was and all these areas and down even into my area in the southern southern portion of the state in the cascades they have uh several report and sightings now and then they also have fecal matter that they'll be done with their testing by the end of this month and hmm. they're supposed to be putting out public public knowledge of what they found that's crazy. Huh. I know, yeah. I know Oregon, uh, I know Oregon fishing game. Well, I don't know. I, I heard Oregon fishing game, uh, kind of backtracked a bunch because their wolf populations grew. And I don't remember what the number was, but exponentially more than they had planned on. Um, basically the population just blew up, uh, which is never a good sign. No, it's not Washington. I think Washington has a worse problem than Oregon. Yeah, because you guys decided that grizzly bears would be a good idea on top of all of that. Yeah, I don't know where these guys get these ideas, but uh, <laughs> we're, that's a whole different. That's a whole another late night elk talk. <laughs> late night uh, elk talk. Yeah. So, um, are we going to get a sponsor? Like <laughs> uh, Dairy Queen or something? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. We get Dairy Andy Queen. Newman would like that because if we got Dairy Queen as a sponsor before him, he might be jealous. Yeah. So. I think it needs to happen. We're going to push it. We'll sell our souls. We'll, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> for a uh, blizzard. Pretty, pretty good. For a blizzard. <laughs> for a dilly bar, I guess. Let me, let me rephrase yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> a dilly bar. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, a, well so. thanks for jumping on, man. Uh, congrats on a, another successful year. Hanging more more antlers in the rafters. I think uh, you've probably got a pile of them now. You gonna What are you going to do with all your antlers? Uh, just keep hanging them up, hanging them up. Maybe they'll bury me with them. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a bunch. I mean, I could probably sell them, but why would I? I mean, they're all memories, right? Yeah. 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 Well, Someone was telling me about this guy. I think he's here in Bozeman that, you know, hunted for 30 plus years and just had a pile of bulls. And one day it was like, yep, yeah, sold all the antlers. I don't think I can well, do it. I don't think I could either. <laughs> Not not right now. No, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think I would. Like I can uh, still look at even like say a crappy raghorn or something. I can still look at every rack that's hanging on, even if it's not 
you know, hung up. It's just in the rafters. I can still look at every rack and like, it's a cue to remember that story. Oh yeah. They all bring back memories. Yeah, for sure. That, that time, that hunt, that call in, you know, that mm-hmm. experience. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, what, what, what's your plans for this year? Um, I mean, I'm probably, well, hopefully I just draw everything. No, actually I don't hope I draw everything. <laughs> I don't well, know. I, uh, three I'm, weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, ah, man, I really undecided yet. I know I'm going to hit Montana hard and I really kind of considering not doing much. I think, um, one of the Patreon, I'm going to go on a hunt with one of the Patreons. So I think what we're going to do is kind of do a hunt giveaway where I think we're going to go to Idaho, but unless, you know, for some reason somebody wants to go to Colorado, uh, we can probably make that happen as well. But essentially I'm giving away a hunt to one of our Patreon members to come hunt with me, learn how to hunt, learn how to call, learn how to do everything. I don't know if that's going to be the first week of season, which I'm kind of leaning towards because Montana doesn't open till, till the seventh this year which would still give me the whole month of Montana, but that's kind of my goal is, uh, kill an elk. And then I won't have to worry about Montana and I can just kind of chase big bulls. And I don't know, that's kind of my game plan for now. Uh, swinging for the fences in most of the States. I kind of like that about Montana. Everybody's ending. Well, everybody's still going when Washington ends because Washington has the short season on earth. I mean, we used to have 14 days and they cut it to 13 days just because they hate us. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're all done before anybody else. But I like Montana because you get that extra week or two into October. And, and it I, sounds like you guys are going to be later into October. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a pretty late season this year. And, you know, you have to have the right spots and you have to know how to hunt them. But I do think most people give up the first snow fly. You know, if it snows end of September, early October, pretty much people are done. They're like, ah, yeah, that was a good season. It's a good run, but I'm not going out in the snow. No, I mean, not last this last year, but in 2017 in Wyoming, we killed a buddy and I were over there. We killed two bulls once he got over there we, within a week. And it was snowing the whole time we were there that year. Were bulls talking? Yeah, they were talking. Everything was talking. We, I mean, we got in, got into them, and you know, we both killed six points within a week. I mean, it was like, yeah, the snow, you know, was going to screw things up, but you know, we still hunted hard at it, and we and we got them talking. It was it was good. It was it was fun, um, and we did see a lot of people. It's it's amazing that you said that. We've seen a lot of people, you know, not hunting, um, uh-huh. g- giving up, but. Uh, not me. I'll go. So oh, yeah. Absolutely. Someone drags me, out of, drags me and throws me in the truck and says, we got to go home finally. Man, you know? it's, it's like fresh snow. You can see right where they were, right where they were walking. And then you can just follow it. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so you got Montana and then you're going to do uh, uh, a hunt with, yeah, with probably another. I- oh, sorry. Yeah, probably another. Idaho or Colorado, one or the other. Yeah. So I'm putting into my normal states again. Um, uh, I hope I hope to draw Wyoming again. You, uh, you have some Wyoming luck, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I I honestly I've been blessed. Uh, I, I man, what 15 years? Um, let's see, had a 16 years putting in. A couple years ago, I didn't draw when I uh, drew the Oregon, 
And then in 2013, I didn't draw my elk, um, but I, I drew my deer tag, and I went up and shot a high mountain muley, a great buck. I think I might have even sent you a picture of that. Yeah. Um, that was a fun hunt. And um, So you've drawn Wyoming more times than not in 15 oh, years. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, let's see, 13 times. That's insane. And then this year, uh, I'll be putting in with my buddy and my dad. My, it'll be milestones for us. I'll be 50 and my dad will be 75. Oh, that's cool. And, and I've already, well, I've already told him at work, um, uh, if I'm still on, on this job where I'm at now, um, and we're still going, I'm leaving at the end of August. <laughs> And I won't be back until the middle of October. <laughs> I'm gonna. My dad a couple years ago. I don't know why he moved there, but he moved to Missouri, and uh, he's lived in Washington all his life, and and he moved there. But uh, he's gonna come back if we draw, and he's he's gonna spend pretty much the whole month of September with me. That's cool. When's the so, last time you elkhunted with him? Uh, it's been a few years. It's been a good few. He's hunted. He's hunted Wyoming with me before. But I'll probably I'll probably uh, I'll probably hunt Idaho and and Wyoming if we draw. Um, and if I don't, you never know. I might be in Montana because I'm definitely I'm, I'm definitely taking uh, I'm taking the uh, month and a half off. I already told them. So. <laughs> I said it'd probably be my last time I get to hunt. You know, honestly, a hunt like that with my father. So you know, um, I'm going to cherish that. Um, I probably won't be going hard you know at it with him especially you know he's got a couple of knee replacements and everything else but uh i'll put try to put him in some good good scenarios and hopefully we can get him a bull i think that would be that'd be pretty neat yeah uh, i would definitely say that's that's pretty epic hunt and i would soak that up it's pretty special yeah i think he's gonna bring over the uh, taj mahal which that means his trailer <laughs> uh, um and i'm i I like to do it uh, if I'm setting up base camp. I, I think this year I'll probably um, I'll probably put up. I got an Alactac tent that I've been using for years, you know, with a vestibule, and they work great. But I think I'm going to buy a wall tent, and I'm going to get one Finally. with a kitchen. Yeah, wall tent with a kitchen out front and everything else. Oh man, and, uh, fancy man. I think I'll just. Uh, I think I'll make it worth our while this year, so we can sit in there and we can play cards in the evening when I'm, you know, when he's around. We don't have to, don't have to dirty up his trailer, and he can go sleep in there, and yeah, and I can snore in the wall tent, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's just something though about elk hunting out of a wall tent that is special, and I don't know if it's because like I grew up hunt, wall or hunting out of a wall tent, but like to me, there's just some serious special vibes when you hunt out of a wall tent for elk it seems like hunting season to me yeah exactly you know and uh it's just those those building those memories and you know hopefully this one's a a special one this fall we draw that would be great uh because i'm really looking forward to it so I, i hope i hope it happens again for for the 14th time um you know that would be that'd be an awesome hunt and then my buddy will be over probably i would say mid-september i'm not we haven't nailed down the date when he's probably going to arrive but then we'll probably be into hardcore uh probably hunting a little harder um and you know either coming back to base camp if if we need to or we'll be out for a day or two or whatever go where what do you call it gypsy hunting 
Gypsy hunting. That's what I used to call it when I was younger, when I, when I was doing that in Washington all the time. Gypsy and out, you know? Gypsy and out. <laughs> yeah, just go from place to place to place. Man, I wish I had all that money back that I spent in gas. <laughs> but you just go and go and go, and then you hunt all day, and then you'd hop in the truck and bugle all night and sleep on the next one, you know? Yeah. I, I used to go around and... and uh, I used to take trail flagging tape, and I'd mark the areas where the bulls are really hot along the edge of the road, so I'd come back to them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just have all those little, those little tricks that you used to do. Back before you had a GPS? <laughs> yeah, before you had the GPS, yeah. Because that's the I'm tricky think- part is, like, you, you'll drive it in the daytime and be like, oh, I should bugle here and here. And then you drive at night, and you, like, lose track of where you were supposed to bugle. So you always got – I always had, like, plug plug all my spots in in the daylight and then drive it at drive loops at night and just bugle at my spots. <laughs> but I, my first GPS used to be one of those Eagle Lowrance. Do you ever you remember one of those or do you, no. have you ever seen <laughs> before my time? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm aging myself now. A lot of guys <laughs> out there are probably laughing right now, but anyway, the big long Eagle Lowrance and that thing took forever to load up. So if I was going to set a waypoint, I didn't have time for that. I yeah. was young to go I'd, I'd go i'm just gonna mark the area with flagging tape and just keep going and i'd find my three or four hot bulls you know and then i'd go sleep on one yep you know? yep just sleep in the front seat <laughs> yeah wherever it was man i was probably so tired i was slumped over on the wheel you know probably someone probably thought i was you know intoxicated because i was slumped over on the wheel and they drove by or and you know <laughs> But I was just so – I was dead tired. I needed to get that 15 minute of sleep so I could go all day. Uh, uh-huh. we, I had a bull one time way back in the day. We I chased this bull in the daytime, but he just uh, would not stop. He just kept going and going and going. I could never catch up to him. I'd get close and then he'd just be over the next ridge. And uh, so I'm driving around all night looking for this freaking bull. And finally, it must have been 3 in the morning, I locate him and he's kind of at the top of this canyon mile mile two away from where he was that day. And, uh, you know, he's just going nuts, just like usual. We call him Chatty Cathy. And he's at the top of this canyon. And, and so we locate him. I got oh, perfect. Let's, you know, crash out. I think we drove back to get some stuff. So we drove back, uh, get breakfast or whatever, sleep for an hour or two. And we come back. We're like, we're going to be here before daylight and roll up, park in the exact same spot and roll the windows down. I think I even got out. And I rip one off and that bull couldn't have been a hundred yards behind the pickup on the other side of the road. And he must've come up that, that drainage and just was looking for us. And, and so he pipes off and then he won't shut up. So we're just sitting in the truck with the windows down, not in the best location. And this bull is just back there screaming his head off every minute or two. And here comes an, a pickup. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, please shut up. Please shut up. Because this bull's a 100 yards off the road. And this pickup drives by real slow and, and never, you know, I don't know if he didn't hear him or what, but pickup drives by. And I mean, that pickup couldn't have been a hundred yards away down the road. And this bull starts piping off again, just going nuts. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> You're going to give yourself away. I've had him do that. Many times, you know, hop out, let the truck quiet, everything quiet down, wait 10, 15 minutes, and then you bugle. And they'll just start ripping off. Yeah. Then they'll hear a truck coming, and they just shut up. Yeah. About five, six minutes after that truck goes by, they start bugling again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I used to sit down there in the trees and the brush laughing at the people. Or they get out and, they, you know, bugle right off over the top of the 
over the drainage and slammed their door and they didn't get a response. Well, I wonder why, you know, it's kind yeah. of funny to them. But I had an experience like that. I had a buddy here in Washington and we were hunting and uh, had the same thing. We got that bull going and it was really super dark. And that thing came up and it snuck up behind us across the road and it got above us. And, you know, the wind's going downhill because it was down below, but he snuck around us, so he never did wind us. And he got above us, and then he started coming back down the other side, and he was screaming just like your scenario the whole time. And my buddy's going, he's going to smell us, he's going to smell us if he goes around. So, you know, he gets out his old elk piss, and he just starts squirting it. Well, I happen to be on the wrong side. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, and we were laying in this bar ditch next to the road. And the same thing, here comes a guy buying a truck with the headlights. It's just starting to break daylight. And he's probably seeing us both lay there in the, the bar. <laughs> like, what the heck are these guys doing? But we were laughing so hard because he just squirted this all in my face. And the bull was still screaming. And the guy drives off. And I can't believe it. That bull still was screaming as that guy drove by. <laughs> Did we get uh, involved? No, but it was a great experience. It was fun. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. We had uh, one time, speaking of elk piss scenario, uh, one time get this bull, and this is last day of season, uh, you know, afternoon, last evening to hunt, and I we're hitting this scary cow call as loud as we possibly could in this canyon and get a bull. You could just barely hear all the way at the bottom. And it was one of those scenarios where, like, I think that's a bull. And then I was like, oh, man, yeah, that's a bull. He's going nuts down there. And I was like, I don't know if we can get there before dark. Like, even best-case scenario, we can't get there. And so we bomb all the way around and come up the bottom. And we're I'm just rallying. It's back in Toyota days. Just rallying this Toyota and just bombing up there. And we we get out and he's like right there and we scream at him. He screams back. And of course he takes his cows right up on the bench on the other side. And this is, you know, basically early enough days where I thought we we're going to call his bull right to the truck. Um, but I know he probably would have, he was so hot, but he ends up taking his bulls up to this next bench and, and, uh, you know, it winds not great. So we're squirting cow piss on everything. It's the last day. Hail Mary, man. Just dump that stuff on your head and just go into <laughs> town. And, and, you know, of course it doesn't work out. And so you're covered in elk piss and standing there in shame. But I threw the, or the bottle was in my truck, but the cap was open. And so ended up spilling this like giant bottle of Roosevelt elk piss on my Toyota seats. And I think it smelled like elk piss in there for like the night until I sold that damn thing. It would just stank in that truck. You know how many seat covers I've thrown away after elk season? (laughs) 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 I should have owned stock in one of them. (laughs) And speaking of that, do you use that anymore? I don't. No, no. I mean, it's funny how we always used to use this. You know, I just watch the wind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really pay attention to it. I probably go through more, you know, wind checkers any more than anything. But I just really watch the wind and really keep an eye on it. And, you know, if it's even one sense bad, you know, really bad swirly stuff, I'll just let them go. You know, yeah. fight for Fight for another day. Yeah, but, uh, leave it open for another day. I will say there's a bottle called Elk Honey. It's got the gold, or it's like a red and yellow label. I used to put that in front. It was like this thick paste stuff. Just smells terrible. 
but it wouldn't spill in your pickup. So you use that and I just put it on a stump. And I had so many game cam pictures of bulls just nose stuck in that stump. So I'm really? sure it works, but you know, anymore, like I said, I don't, I don't really have a, a good scenario. I would rather not put it on because like once you commit to covering yourself, <laughs> this is, this is some late night elk talk right here. Once yeah. you commit to covering yourself in elk piss, you can't go back from that. <laughs> so like, <Yeah>. <laughs> cannot um but if i see it in a bedded area and i walk through i'm definitely kicking my boots through it yeah uh i mean i see it i'm gonna i'm gonna kick my boots and and get that on my boots especially when i'm walking through areas yeah that's a good point but yeah i don't use it a whole lot (laughs) anyway all right man we'll better get going appreciate the time thanks for the stories uh that was a pretty good elk elk episode wapiti wednesday so appreciate it man and uh, best of luck this year. I can't wait to see how it turns out with your dad. Yeah, I just, it'd be great. Hopefully we draw. And if we don't, we'll find another state to go do it. And uh, whatever we do, I know it's going to be successful because we're going to have time together. Yeah. And um, we'll just see how it all turns out. I mean, it can't be any better than September in the Elkwoods. So. It's almost here. Not really, but I'm going to keep saying that. Man, it comes faster than you can believe. Uh, it comes faster every year, but it also goes by faster every year. It does. I do have to admit it. It does go by faster every year. Um, that's why I try to take the minimum three weeks because <laughs> it, you got to savor that. I know. It's, it's tough to wait another 365 days. So uh, Yeah, exactly. you got, you know, 11 months to work. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I need, uh, I need to figure out working only six months out of the year and having the other six months off. You let me know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, when I figure that out, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's great great to be talking with you again. Yeah, let's do it sooner yeah. than two years this time. Oh, we will. We will. I know <laughs> we've been super busy. I know you've tried a couple times, and I've just been uh, I've been a traveling man working on these jobs. <laughs> so it's kind yeah. of tough. Tough yeah. to nail me down, but... Uh, Definitely, we'll we'll be back in touch, and uh, you never know, we might get that uh, Wednesday night elk, uh, elk late night elk talk. Uh, hey, if Dar- when when Dairy Queen comes knocking, you're gonna have to commit to this. I I know you're just gonna have to lay low on the work thing for a bit, at least on Wednesday nights. But you know what? It's, you got to do what you got to do. We could just Skype from my office, even if I had to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, so, man. Cody, I wish you the best of luck. And uh... If you want the blueprint that I developed after interviewing hundreds of the best elk hunters in the world and 20-plus years of my own hunting experience, check out my new Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a framework to give you a step-by-step system that you can build off of for finding elk, getting close to elk, and killing elk without getting lucky. Check it out. Link in the show notes.